Hello, and welcome to the Joint State Podcast. I'm Susan Elder, and today's podcast, we step away from our normal routine of interviewing a Joint State staff member who's been a project manager on one of our reports. Instead, we focus on one of the most important tasks that happens here in the Capitol building, legislation and bill drafting. Today, I'm here with Glenn Passowitz, our Executive Director here at Joint State. Hello, Susan. And Brian DeWalt, who is our sound engineer and co-host. Glad to be here, Susan. And our guest today is the Executive Director of Legislative Reference Bureau, Vince Deliberato. Vince, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Before we jump into LRB and legislation and bill drafting. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Vince? Give us a little bit of idea of how long you've been with the legislature or how you even came to be here? All right. Well, I started in uh, 75 as the editor of the Pennsylvania Bulletin. I spent a few years in the Code and Bulletin office, uh, which is part of the Legislative Reference Bureau. The Bulletin is the official register of the state, and the Pennsylvania Code is the codification of the state regulations. So I was the editor of the Bulletin. That's a weekly publication. When you do that type of work, administrative law work, it interacts with statutes and with case law. So I got more familiar with that. And in 1983, I switched over to the drafting office of the Reference Bureau, basically just across the hall. And I was a drafting attorney for a long time. Then uh, I guess I became the senior attorney and then became acting director in uh, 2014 then elected director uh, in 2015. Vince, can you tell us a bit about the history of the Legislative Reference Bureau? Yes, the Bureau started out in uh, 1905 by some resolution uh, to try and organize uh, some of the, uh, the, the writing of bills. And they basically just brought in attorneys on a contract basis or on a part-time basis, if you will, just when the assembly was in session. The agency began doing more work, providing other uh, research for the legislators. And in 1923, we were formalized by statute as a legislative drafting agency. And then we've developed over the years. I mean, right now, it's a law office that operates for the entire General Assembly and for the uh, the various executive agencies. Uh, the director, that's myself, is elected by the General Assembly. It's one of the few things that both chambers do as a body. Typically, everything in the operation is uh, Senate does something, House reacts to that or vice versa. We have about 70 employees on staff right now. These employees uh, interact with public officers, public employees, and, and private citizens. As some of you know, we uh, we maintain a large physical plant uh, on the fifth floor of the Senate wing in the main capital, pretty much how we got to where we are now. That's quite a history back to 1905. Looking back, how were bills drafted before there was a reference bureau? Were they just individual legislators writing them themselves? Right. Yeah, that's pretty much the way it was. And of course, a, a lot of the legislators, some were lawyers, some were not. They would uh, uh, draw on the work of the lobbyists at the time, now the, among the powerful lobbyists in Pennsylvania at the turn of the century, of course, were the coal companies and the railroads. The idea in, 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 until the end of the 19th century, a lot of the bills were just more special bills. They uh, Most of our uh, legal work, if you will, was by case law. People would sue each other 
or companies would sue each other, and then we'd come up with rules. The General Assembly did not do too much more than spend money, you know, raise taxes, and then expend the funds for the welfare of the Commonwealth. So there wasn't that much of a need for legislation. You could just do ad hoc pieces of legislation, sort of the way municipalities work today when they need something They'll get it done, but typically they have their their codes that they follow and uh, they'll change an ordinance if, if necessary. But basically, you're not building a, a structure of, of codified law. That changed around the time uh, of the Depression. We started our first administrative code in 1929, right when we had the Depression. So we were sort of uh, uh, developing administrative agencies to do more for uh, the people of the Commonwealth than was done even on the federal level. When uh, Roosevelt was elected, they developed that whole administrative uh, system, which is basically now the administrative state that governs us. Almost everything is done on the federal level. Everything is done based on some federal code or based on some federal regulation. And starting in the uh, late 30s uh, and 40s, we started to do the same type of thing in Pennsylvania, organize legislation and organize administrative uh, regulations. Vince, it's my understanding that you all use a drafting software. Can you give us a sense of how that drafting software was developed and is it unique to Legislative Reference Bureau? The original one back in the uh, 60s, uh, back when I was in high school, I don't know if any of you will remember the uh, Univac system. That was the, the famous computers they would have. There's a, there's a classic movie. I watch it uh, once in a while on uh, on Turner Classics. It's uh, where you know the the, uh, the the computer is trying to answer all these questions, and it's it's fighting with the librarians. Like you know, they they can answer faster than the uh, the computer. Yeah, I've seen that one. It's called Death Set. It's from 1957, and it's got Tracy Spencer and Katherine Hepburn in starring roles. These Univac computers were very good, and they, they could do uh, a lot of things, but they were so cumbersome, naturally, they would take up an entire room. Pennsylvania was one of the first states to get one. They got a, a major mainframe data processing system in the 70s, and it took up the whole basement of the Capitol. And they, they could do different things with it, payroll, and they, they tried to get statutes done that way. And what was happening back historically, uh, legislatures would just pass laws, do them one on top of another on top of another, you know, in the order that the governor signed them. But in the 19th century, what happened was uh, the legal publishing companies decided to say, well, hey, we it's pretty hard to see all these law books with all the laws. How are we going to know? They had indices, you know, but uh, like, how do you know what the rule is? So the West Publishing Company and the Lawyers Cooperative Publishing Company, they started capturing all the state statutes, literally retyping them, and, and in some cases, requilling them with quill pens, I guess. They printed them and they organized them by, by subject matter and got all of the uh, statutory material together. So then West Publishing Company, which was the, the forerunner of the modern Thompson Rudders, was the one that published in Pennsylvania. By the 70s, they had one of these Univac uh, systems and we, we got their database from them and started doing it that way. So pre-1960, if you wanted to amend the public school code of 1949, you literally retyped the 1949 provision, okay? And then someone would uh, actually type a bracket in there when they wanted to take something out. And then when they wanted to put new stuff, the typist would type the new material, then go back 
and underscore it because, you know, now we just underscore whenever we want all of that. In the olden days, if you wanted to add parochial schools to the public school code, you would add the word parochial, then you would go back and underline the P, the A, you know, that's kind of the way they did it. So in the 70s, they said, no, we don't have to do that anymore. We can start issuing these commands. So you can have a command that says at underscore begin. And then, you know, you just type whatever you wanted to type. And when you were finished that, you would have another command at underscore end. And then that got so good, they could do it with the, the amendments of the bills too. So as you know, when a bill is amended, we strike out material from the bill and we uppercase material added to the bill and we superimpose on that the bracketing and underscoring if necessary. They could also put in commands that would say at strike begin, at strike end, uh, at uppercase begin, but everything was by a command and everything was line by line. So you you had the, the line on the computer with so many characters. We had tapes on our computers, sort of like the the bell that would ring on the old typewriter when you had to look up periodically when you saw your the you were near the tape line then you had to hit the enter and with each line that you entered you could only see the next lines so always went to a black screen so then you'd have to do other functions and say okay I'd like to see the whole thing that I've written here you know to make sure I didn't goof it up and surprisingly when this was done people thought wow, this is like the greatest thing, you know, like, you know, we don't have to like type and we don't have to go back in and, and underscore in. We, all you got to do is, is type six letters at underscore begin at underscore end. This, this is like the greatest thing in the world. Now, if you talk to people about that today, that's just ridiculous. Like who would want to like spend hours and hours doing that? Literally they did. I mean, uh, we had the operations like that, but you know, I mean, it worked. Many of the attorneys got good at it. Now, I I went to a Catholic high school in Philadelphia, and then that only girls took typing, boys didn't take typing. And uh, of course, there was shorthand too. But when I got to the reference bureau, I was seeing the way some of this was going. So I bought myself a typing book and took typing lessons for myself every morning for about six weeks. And that's how I, I learned to type. And of course, now we don't, you know, every, everyone can type. And that system worked. And I guess from the 70s, we used that uh, well into the uh, to the late 80s. Unfortunately, the, the system, you know, could not be supported anymore. There's nobody that could provide parts and electrical units for the mainframes. So we started looking around and we started getting other uh, agencies. And there was a, a group in California and there was a group in, uh, in Ireland that had, you know, taken that fancy word processing systems and said, you know, you can really apply that to, to drafting. The one we hired was in Ireland, the Propylon system. They worked with data processing to build the system for us that now you can type a statute the same way you type a letter, uh, yeah, dear Glenn, I'll see you on Tuesday. Blah, blah, blah. And then you can look back and say, oh, oh gosh, did I say Tuesday? I meant Thursday. You know, you can look back at the whole letter. You don't have to like find the lines. Then you can search that letter to say that I refer to the, the right statute and you could run a search for that statute or whatever. Then, of course, we could start searching the entire databases. And, you know, the, the, the computerization just got amazing. The difficulty that Propylon had with us, they, they were going through some changes uh, financially. The, the main problem that they had, they built a terrific system in Ireland, and then they tried to pretty much take the same system here and put it in. The, the main problem was the parliamentary approach. As you know, uh, here, any member can uh, offer an amendment. 
you know, there are rules, of course, if the bill's in a committee, only members of the committee can offer it. But if the bill's on the floor, any member can offer a, a, an amendment on certain considerations. In the House, for example, it's third consideration. There are rules there procedurally uh, on how to do it, but there's no limit on what any given member can do. That's not the European system. And the, the idea they have different parties and their party caucuses then thrash things out so that if uh, when the bill's coming up, only the Labor Party decide in caucus what it wants, and they'll have a string of amendments. And then that person, the, only that individual can offer an amendment. So you 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 cut the system down quite a bit. They had trouble really getting the the, the concept that like you know anybody can make all kinds of amendments. Kathy and Brent over at Data Processing did a terrific job, and then they built off of the Propylon system and really refined it to a degree and made it their own. And they put the system in that we have now. They, they, they do such a terrific job. There's You can actually pull up the way Propylon was having us pull the old statutes. It was a little hard to get at the uh, at the material, but you could get the entire bill. Or, and then, of course, Brent put together a, a system where you have a little icon at the top. The typist originally called it the, the the magic Brent button. You know, just push that button, and then it it, it gave you a little screen, and you type in what you wanted. 1929 Act 175 Section Four. You could just, you know, you didn't need to have any kind of code or anything like that. And then that would pull material in. It really is is a very uh, refined system, and uh, you know uh, we can we can operate you know uh, very very quickly uh, and very efficiently under it. So that was actually developed in house or specialized by LDP. That's correct. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, you should have those guys over for a podcast too. Yeah, they're on the they're on the calendar. They they just don't know it yet. So when working on a bill, do LRB staff tend to specialize in by topic or subject matter? No, generally, um, we try and get everybody to do everything before you're going to do um, a tax statute or an administrative code statute or, or a budgetary statute. We like you to get a little bit of experience. But right now, uh, our staff, I think uh, even our, our, our newest attorney, she's she's been in over a year. Uh, we really feel that she's comfortable with, with just about anything. But Typically, you will not specialize, but as the requests come in, you follow the assignments. And what we tried to do is refine assignments that come in. If we think something's too much for a, a newer person, we'll just push that to someone else, and and then you know have have the uh, the original uh, the, the younger person understudy a bit until he or she uh, develops the the necessary expertise. Yeah, you kind of, that leads into one of my questions is when when you bring new lawyers on, is there a training period or do they work independently immediately or do you pair them with somebody else or how do you work that in-house? We have a um, training program. We, we developed a full manual on, on how to do that and how to work the things together. And we, we try and get all of that in a training manner, but it's sort of on the job type thing. So as we, we bring the person there, we'll do a couple of things for, for the newer hires. What we started doing is hiring people when they graduate pending the, the bar exam. So a person will be hired as a legal assistant. When I was hired, you had to be you had to be past the bar exam. So 
uh, you know, I went through my interviewing process over the course of the summer and they said, okay, well, you know, in October, that's when the bar results come out. Then they hired me. But now if we like the individual, we'll hire him or her as a legal assistant or paid as a paralegal. We give them two chances to pass the bar exam. Most people pass the first time, usually pass the second time. I usually, if somebody has a trouble, I, I'll tutor them. I can usually get get people passed if, if I have to. We'll do that. And then while they're as a legal assistant, they're basically learning. We don't let them interact with clients. But, you know, we would let them research things and we'd let them, you know, draft a bill and then, then someone would look it over. So we, we complete the training process uh, that way. And then we've been trying to recruit. We'll get interns if we have. We have uh, one guy is from uh, Dickinson. Almost the rest of the guys are all from uh, Widener. Of course, I, I teach at Widener, so I I can usually uh, spot people that I think would be uh, interesting. Of course, Mark Bogish was a student of mine. He he ended up working for you guys for a while, and then he, then he came over there. So yeah, I would say at least for a new person, it's pending your bar results, which could be about six months, and then another six months of training after that. For an attorney coming over, we, we try and get it done in about an eight-month period where we could certainly have them, as long as they have a Pennsylvania license, they can meet with an attorney. We might have two attorneys sit in. When your attorneys are drafting the legislation, do they do that themselves or are there ever cases where the project is big enough or there's a codification so you have groups that are working together? Yes, for the big codifications, uh, that's, that's uh, sort of what we do. The original process Pennsylvania is the only state that doesn't have full consolidation. We have partial consolidation. So about two-thirds of our statutes are set up on the an act of a given date. Administrative code is an example. Public school code is an example. The tax reform code is an example. These are discrete statutes that stand on their own. They have to be amended on their own. We also have Title 42, the judicial code. That's completely consolidated. Title 15, the business code, completely consolidated. So we used to work on these. And, and over the years, that was one of the main projects the Joint State was involved in. They worked on the judicial code uh, when Bill Nast was here, Chris Ahrensberg was here. That, those guys did that kind of work and they worked with the Bureau. Now, at that time, to do a consolidation, you had to collect all of the statutory material. Remember, in the old mainframe, you couldn't run very sophisticated searches like we can now, but they'd come up with what they considered a, a logic. And those guys really were good at it. And they said, okay, we'll get every term that's this or that. Um, and then, you know, we'll put it together. So then they would take all of those laws and literally assemble them. We, we would get them from the, the data processing system. So we'd have, you know, at least the whole statute. Then we'd make an outline from that. So where are we going to put it? And then, of course, nobody knows what index cards are, but we used to have index cards then, which tagged each section, you know, and, and how we were going to put it together. Then we had these big boards, so we literally would cut and paste, you know, now on your computer, you see the little scissors. We actually had little razor blades that cut and pasted material so that we could look at it, bank it together, and then have the, the, the typists uh, pull it in. So the typical consolidation would take a couple of years, you know, at that rate. Once we developed a new system, we, we started uh, being able to search more clearly, find the things a little better, and then assemble the things much more quickly. So we can get, if we get a green light from the legislature, we can get all the material assembled, then 
you know, depending how, how complicated, how, how much volume there is, could be anywhere from like 100 to 1,000 pages. We will then divide it up amongst the attorneys. So each person's working on a, on a chapter or two or three chapters. And if we do that, we can turn the whole project over usually in about six weeks. What we do with some of them, then we'll show you guys the bill after and say, you guys say, check us out, make sure we didn't miss anything. We'll use local government commission to have them check things out also, just to double check. But it can be definitely the bigger projects are done by those kind of team efforts. It's time for us to wrap up our podcast today. Join us in our next episode where we will continue talking to Vince Deliberato and hear some insights from him about the training and work process of lawyers and staff employed by the Bureau. The music in our podcast was provided by Joseph McDade. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.